According to L. Frank Baum, the Valley of Lost Things lies just adjacent to the wonderful land of Oz. Its floor is covered with pins and pennies and buttons and coats and scarves and hats. Luke chapter 15 is the Bible's Valley of Lost Things. Jesus tells three consecutive stories about lost things, including this second one, starting at verse 11. Then Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that belongs to me. And so the father divided his property between the two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant land, and there he squandered his inheritance on riotous living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and the young man began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But then he came to himself and said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was yet far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. The father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and kill the fatted calf and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and now he is alive. This my son was lost and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> so I, as I said in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three consecutive stories about four lost things. A lost lamb, a lost coin, and two lost sons. I've been describing Luke chapter 15 as the gospel within the gospel because Luke chapter 15 is the terse precis, the concise abstract of the sprawling dissertation that the Bible finally turns out to be from Genesis to Revelation. That's what the Bible wants to say. If you're lost, God wants to find you. A man had two sons, says Jesus you notice how many of our stories begin precisely in this way. It's because they deal with what's most precious to us and most distressing. Jesus' original audience would have thought about Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, Absalom and Solomon. Later readers will think of Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman or Adam Trask from Steinbeck's East of Eden or extrapolate. A man had three sons, Fred McMurray, Ben Cartwright, Mike Brady, Logan Roy. A man had three daughters. Too early, he divides his legacy between them and fails to realize which of his daughters loves him best and foolish old King Lear ends up on the heath being pelted by storms. 
Have you noticed that Shakespeare bases his magnum opus, King Lear, on the same plot device Jesus uses in his little story about a lost son? Never, never, never give your stuff away before you're dead. Don't give your legacy away until you're gone. It's always bad news. A man had three daughters. A man had two sons. All of our stories, or most of them, begin just this way. A man had two sons, and the younger one comes to his father and says, Father, give me my inheritance right now. I don't want to wait until you're dead. You know what he's saying, right? Dad, I wish you were dead. That's exactly what he's saying. Inscrutably, the old man complies with the younger son's wishes and divides his legacy between the two sons. At great cost to himself, he takes a second mortgage out on his home or he borrows heavily against the small business the three of them have been running till now, maybe Waystar Corporation. And the young man takes his property and absconds to a far country where, says the King James Version, he squanders his inheritance in riotous living. He squanders his inheritance in riotous living and ends up feeding slop to pigs. You understand what Jesus is saying, right? Jesus would rather die than touch a pig. They're unclean. And so Jesus is saying, this young guy is scraping the bottom of the barrel. There's no lower place to go from here. I see him dumpster diving behind a McDonald's. I see him holding out a tin cup on Michigan Avenue. What's the most demeaning work you can possibly think of? But then Jesus says, the young man comes to himself. He comes to himself. He has a eureka moment. He decides to swallow his pride and to return to what used to be home. In his little cubicle at the homeless shelter, he rehearses this endearing little speech. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. Save me, Dad. Save me from myself. I'll do anything. I'll sweep the floors. I'll bust the tables. I'll pick the apples. I'll wash the cars. And so he packs what little he has from the homeless shelter into a backpack and hitches a ride to what used to be home. And all the way home, he's rehearsing his little speech that he's worked so hard on. Father... I'm no longer worthy. Father, I'm not worthy. Father, I'm not worthy. But then when he gets home, he doesn't even have a chance to use his little speech he's worked so hard at because while he's blocks away, while he's yet far off, barely within sight, the father runs to meet him, gallops to meet him like secretariat or mage maybe, and smothers him in this suffocating embrace and starts barking orders at the household staff, bring me my best robe, bring me my most expensive ring, throw me my most lavish party because this my son was dead and now he's alive, this my son was lost and now he's found. By the way, this is neither here nor there. It's pointless. But do you know why they call him mage? It's related to magi, a magician. I guess so. 15 to 1. Well, that's pointless, but at least it's free. <laughs> we squander our inheritance. God grants extravagant gifts. We flee from home. God waits just there. 
Well, I've told you many times about my hero, Gregory Boyle, but I haven't told you about Bandit, so I'm going to tell you about Bandit this morning. For 35 years, Gregory Boyle has been a Roman Catholic priest in the poorest parish in Los Angeles. The Dolores Parish in Los Angeles has the largest public housing project west of the Mississippi. LA has 86,000 gang members. There are eight active gangs in Father Greg's neighborhood alone. Over the years, Father Greg has buried well over 200 young people, gang members. In 1992, Father Greg started what he calls Homeboy Industries. It's a ministry to the gang members a ministry to the homies. Their motto is, nothing stops a bullet like a job. So, Father Greg starts this ministry and he goes on a mad hunt for what he calls felon-friendly employers. As you might guess, felon-friendly employers are rare. So, Father Greg starts Homeboy Bakery, where they make homeboy tortillas and they start Homegirl Cafe, where the motto is, if you like waitresses with attitude, then come to Homegirl Cafe. One day, Diane Keaton visits Homegirl Cafe, and Diane Keaton asks her waitress, a paroled felon named Glenda, Diane asks Glenda what Glenda might recommend, and Glenda stares at Diane Keaton and says, wait, I know you. And Diane Keaton, of course, is too modest to say, well, my face is on every television and movie screen and billboard in America. Instead, she just says, well, I guess I just have one of those faces. And Glenda continues to stare at Diane Keaton. She says, now I know. We were locked up together. (laughs) And Father Greg says, there have been no further Diane Keaton sightings at Homegirl Cafe. Father Greg has been suffering from leukemia for several years. A while back, a homegirl named Mariana comes up to Greg and says, I hear your cancer's in intermission. And Father Greg says, yeah, apparently it stepped out to the lobby to buy popcorn. May the line be long. A homeboy named Grumpy comes up to Father Greg and says, what do you have that... What do I have that you need? He means his organs. Which of my organs do you need? The homeboys love to drive Father Greg to his chemotherapy sessions. And Father Greg drolly says that the drive is far more harrowing than the chemo itself. Fifteen years ago, Father Greg comes up to a drug pusher named Bandit and says, Would you like a job? And Bandit says, No, thanks. I'm fine, I'm okay, doing quite well, actually. Fifteen years later, Bandit comes back to Father Greg and says, I'm tired of being tired. What about that job? And so Father Greg finds Bandit a felon-friendly factory to work in, and Bandit begins by sweeping the floors and then manages a shift. He buys a home for himself and his family, raising his family in California. And Bandit's eldest daughter, Jessica, is accepted at Humboldt State University in the heart of California's Redwood country. Besides Father Greg himself, Jessica is the only person Bandit knows who's ever been to college. And if you ask Bandit what Jessica wants to study at Humboldt State, 
bandit will say, she wants to study forensic psychology. She wants to study the criminal mind. I'm her first subject. Father Greg says to Bandit, I'm so proud of the man you've become, Bandit. And Bandit says, I'm proud of me too. To Father Greg, the homies are not sinners. They're just lost. Apparently he's read Jesus' little story about the lost son and has decided to step in himself to the role of the waiting father. Is there someone in your life who needs a second chance? Is there anyone in your life who needs a welcome home? Something to think about.